0: Welcome into to The Galloway Podcast, episode 45. Today is Friday, July 24th, 2020. I'm your host, William Galloway. Reminder that The Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So check it out there and share it with your friends or on your social media. Today, we've got a great lineup for you. As always on the Galloway Podcast, we start with what's new, then we go to our interview segment. Today we're joined by the Deputy Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Charlie Hussey really good conversation with Charlie. I know you're going to enjoy that one insight and information on how the league is going about planning and preparing for fall sports season and a lot of questions up in the air, a lot of questions that aren't able to be answered, but you will enjoy that interview with Charlie Hussey here on the Galloway podcast. And as always, we finish the podcast with Around Alabama Athletics talking about what's going on in Tuscaloosa and on campus as we prepare for the fall 2020 semester. So, the Galloway Podcast, episode 45, let's get it rolling, starting with what's new. The SEC has a looming decision for college football, and as I said, we'll talk about that with Charlie Hussey momentarily. But the Big Ten, Pac-12, and some conferences have already moved to a conference-only season. Now, does this impact the college football playoff? And I'll, I'll say this. That's not a pertinent question right now, but it better not. You can still have a four-team playoff despite the circumstances. I don't care if teams are playing eight games, ten games. Trust me, you can make it work. And this is a conversation for another time, but I'll just say this. There's a high probability we'll see a conference champion with at least one loss, regardless of the number of games they play. We might even see two conference champions with one loss. We've seen it for years and years and years. As long as there's been a playoff, there's generally, and this isn't widespread, but there's generally one conference champion or two sometimes that have one loss, and you can still have a playoff. Let's not get off track here. That's not the point of today's podcast, but I just want to make that perfectly clear that you can still have a playoff despite the uncertainty of this college football season. Also in what's new in the world of sports, as discussed in previous podcasts, the MLB and the NBA are back. The NBA didn't have one single positive test of COVID-19 out of 346 players. That is Incredible. Of course, they're in that bubble down in Orlando. Very impressive ordeal they've got going on down there. In the MLB, the season is officially underway. It kicked off on Thursday, and every game of the 60-game season is going to matter. That is what is really exciting about this baseball season, is that every game is crucial, and we can follow along very closely as it is literally a sprint to the playoffs. So that'll be fun to watch. Chop on and go Braves We're hoping the Braves can pull some magic out of their hat and don't become the Braves team that we've seen for years and years in in August and September, Um, but hoping for the best there. Opening day starts today for the Atlanta Braves. Now, I will say this about baseball too, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but it took them a while to get going. And it's finally started, so we can put all that behind us, but they they should have gotten playing a lot earlier, and that's okay. We're going to move on. It was really, really good to see baseball season start, and hopefully this will light a spark for baseball in America and America's youth again. Elsewhere in the world of sports and what's new, high school football in the state of Alabama will start on time. That date is August 20th and 21st. A great job by the Alabama High School Athletic Association to set up a precedent of having the season and start on time, giving kids every opportunity and chance possible to go out and compete. They're leaving a lot of rules and regulations up to their member institutions. And if they're playing at the high school level, in my opinion, there's no reason we shouldn't be playing at the college level. Clay Travis brought up the point that every sec school their state is moving towards playing high school football and if you can play high school football you can be able to play college football so looming decision with the sec let's kick it over now to charlie hussey here on the galloway podcast so we can learn more about what the southeastern conference is doing in preparation for a fall sports season I'm honored to be joined now on the Galloway podcast by Charlie Hussey, the deputy commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and making the time. How are you?
1: William, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you for having
0: me. Well, absolutely. You have been very busy, and I'm fortunate to have some time to talk with you and uh, hopefully inform our listeners of a little bit more of what to expect, kind of what the thought process is in terms of how the league is making their decisions with moving forward with fall sports. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Today is Friday, July 24th. And other conferences uh, regarding college football have gone to a conference-only season. So, can you update us on the process of how the league, um, where the league stands with an impending decision, and what that's like for you and for the people in the conference?
1: Yeah, sure, William. I'll do my best. Um, the uh, commissioners of all of the A five conferences are meeting pretty much daily to have conversations about. Um, about sports, uh, in particular in their own conferences, but also um, from a national perspective. You've seen a few conferences obviously make some decisions uh, in regards to conference-only schedules, uh, which provides them some flexibility. Uh, we're still c- continuing to have conversations in our league and uh, trying to take in a number of factors. We also have uh, a medical task force that's been in place dating back really to April, uh, and they're also meeting uh, very frequently in fact we just uh, increased that frequency not long ago and so taking into all the factors we possibly can um into uh into making the best decision we can about uh, about the sports season in the fall so that's uh, a little perspective i guess from a from a from, from the conference the, com- the sec at this point
0: right and things are changing on a daily basis as we know i talked with jake jordan who i believe you know is the uh SEC medical advisor for championship events and he was able to provide a little bit of insight yesterday but also talk about just the health and safety and well-being of, uh, of high school athletes and college athletes and what the risk is um, and so I had a good conversation with him about that but there's so many factors and so many people and so many things that need to be discussed from all different levels so it's a really complicated situation uh, and obviously we know that SEC leads athletically they lead uh, in the classroom and and You guys are doing a great job right now. So I want to ask you this next question. Um, Commissioner Sankey's talked profusely, he said on the Fine Bomb Show and in his press release, about the topics of public safety uh, and public health. So as the league makes a decision about football season, what other elements besides public health and public safety go into the decision-making process?
1: Well, we, as you just mentioned, there's a whole host of different issues to work through. Um you know, whether that's, uh, that's fan attendance or, uh, contact tracing and isolation protocols and everything just moves so rapidly. Uh, certainly our medical task force, uh, watches closely CDC guidance and even that guidance uh, is changing on a pretty frequent basis. So I think, I think we know no matter what happens in the fall, you know, it's going to be different and we'll have to be prepared to adjust and pivot as information changes. Uh, you go back to March when we, uh, had to cancel the SEC men's basketball tournament, and then ultimately, the NCAA tournament uh, was canceled. Uh, you know, from that time to now, what we've learned uh, is certainly a lot of information. Is it everything? No, because it's it's not possible. It's just changing so so frequently and rapidly. But uh, we'll continue to watch those things. And so, back to your question, um, just you know, trying to define uh, from a game management standpoint all of the things that go into. to a a football game or a soccer or volleyball, um, just to name a few, we're having daily conversations about all the different elements, and we're fortunate that we have so many great people on all of our campuses to work through this. Um, In the SEC, we've always been a a group that's had the ability to have candid conversations but ultimately come out with a uh, unified decision, so we're working hard on that uh, with this particular case.
0: And then uh, one decision that the league made just um, about a week ago was that soccer, volleyball, and cross country would all be uh, suspended through at least August 31st. Can you explain that decision making process? Because To just the common fan, soccer and cross-country particularly seem like relatively socially distant sports, especially soccer when you think about not using your hands. Um, But as you and I have both talked about these last couple minutes, the the factors that go into it, um, to kind of explain, it's not just the fact that soccer is is, is played in in whatever capacity it's going to be played, but the process of, of suspending all that competition through August 31st.
1: Uh, sh- sure. I mean, really, the, the essence of postponing the start of the fall competition through August 31st is really just to provide additional time for our, our institutions to prepare uh, for the safe return of competition on an adjusted timeline. And uh, you saw other conferences doing a similar similar thing, and you, you have you know quite a few non-conference matches uh, early in the season. And, and I just think, really, when you, you boil it down, William, that came down to uh, allowing our schools to prepare and have a little more time, um, pr- prior, prior to the season. So, um, uh, you know, the rescheduling of those, of those contests, those non-conference contests that are impacted will, by, by the postponement will uh, be up to each school to determine how, how they want to handle that. And, um, and and we'll go from there. But ultimately, the primary responsibility of the league and the schools is to make sure the health and well-being of all the student-athletes is at the forefront. So we felt like that decision uh, was in line with, with that priority.
0: Absolutely. And, and a term that's kind of been tossed around and, and used in various contexts and situations has been the term of mitigating risks. And so Some conferences and some teams, some schools are cutting uh, non-conference opponents in whatever the sport is, but what are the ways that the league as a whole and its member institutions are mitigating risk of COVID-19?
1: Well, uh, a couple ways, right? Each each school has responsibility here uh, in terms of cleaning and sanitizing their facilities. And then ultimately, uh, same for you and I, right? We have responsibility for social distancing, uh, good hygiene, washing your hands, uh, wearing face masks, all the same things that uh, everyone should be doing right now to mitigate risk, are the same things that are going on, on our campuses. And uh, uh, I just don't think that can be stressed enough, the importance of, of all those items. And that will continue uh, into the fall uh, as primary ways to, to mitigate risk in addition to some other things that, you know, that the conference will have as well. But um, the, the, main, the main pieces there are just making sure the facilities are cleaned. And then if you do have a student athlete who tests positive, right, going through the appropriate isolation or if their uh, contact tracing is in order, uh, then the quarantining periods for student athletes, which our campuses are, are already doing uh, per, per the CDC recommendations and guidelines.
0: Right. And you have, there's a lot of influence, uh, within each campus. I mean, we've seen Ed Orgeron meet with Mike Pence, Nick Saban, and other coaches, uh, the league Twitter account was pushing out, uh, head football coaches last week during media days, uh, with them wearing masks. But can you talk about the influence that not only, uh, the football coaches have, but the schools have in terms of encouraging their fans to be, uh, as safe and as smart as possible?
1: Well, I think it goes without saying, right. That, that, uh, Everyone uh, who's an SEC fan r- really wants to see college football and other fall sports played, and uh, so I, th- I think when you utilize the head football coaches in the SEC and you see those coaches wearing masks and encouraging uh, fans to use good hygiene, it uh, people people take note. There's obviously a lot of messaging, um, a lot of news about COVID, and folks are trying to figure out, you know, what uh, what to believe, what not to believe. But in most cases, uh, our coaches uh, are a group who will resonate, especially among their fan base. And so to have them uh, encourage the social behavior. Uh, including wearing face masks, I think is is vitally important, and I do think that uh, they've done a great job. Our schools have with the coaches in, in getting this message across, and I, I, I do think it, it will make a difference.
0: It, it is shocking that some people in our region of the country will listen to head football coaches before they listen to politicians, but uh, that's just that's kind of who we are and where we are. Uh, and speaking of fans. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, the SEC and its fans, are they, they're tied together. You know, The, the slogan, it just means more. Uh, SEC fans love their schools, and they love the SEC. So with all of this happening, uh, the, the well-being of the athletes, the coaches, and the staff is the primary um, point of focus for the league right now. But when do the fans and having fans at games and competition, when does that come into consideration for the league?
1: Well, I mean we I, of course i'm partial here but obviously we have the greatest fans i think in all of sport uh, when you think about uh, the commitment and the passion they have for our team for their you know tailgating or following their teams around so um you know the fans are are critical and vitally important um to, to the southeastern conference so it's uh it's a discussion ongoing i wish i could give you more right now i i, I can't it's uh ongoing conversations uh, but certainly uh um, the fans at the SEC are, uh, are are like no other and, and of utmost importance.
0: Absolutely. A lot of my friends and fellow students at the University of Alabama are just scratching their heads with the uncertainty of, are we going to be able to be in the stadium or are we, we going to watch from home? What's it going to be like? Uh, but a lot of those questions remain to be answered, and rightfully so, because it's hard to, to put your finger on anything right now.
1: Well, you know William, I think you also uh, watching some other sports right who are who are moving along we've you know had conversations with nascar and the p g a tour and major league baseball um and so certainly having some of these sports that are that are out there some uh you know some have fans and, and some don't but uh watching and learning from from all of those groups has been helpful and uh, the conversations we've had is are are also important in the decisions and factors uh, under consideration for the, for the conference. So it has been nice to see some uh, sports return across the, uh, across the country.
0: Absolutely. I've had fun watching those and, um, one thing that fans do if they can't make it to the games is obviously watch it on TV. And your one of your areas of expertise within the conference is being the liaison with ESPN and, of course, the SEC Network, which I know you help get that started. Um, so when we look at schools' revenue coming from TV contracts versus coming from ticket sales, boosters, et cetera, how do the two compare? And uh, what's that like for the schools' when you compare the, the, the revenue really, um, but the potential of having no fans.
1: Uh, William, I, you know, we, we avoid getting into revenue conversations, but uh, obviously the revenue revenues that would come in through, through, through fans and stands. And also part of the conferences, television package are, uh, are vital and important to all the athletics department. So, um, you know, but both, both are important um can you preserve both i you know i, I don't know but um b- both of them certainly uh would be important uh, from a from a revenue perspective
0: right right and you mentioned earlier the the men's basketball tournament being cut short and the league has uh learned and of you and other administrators in the league have learned a lot about covid since that and everything and the league's grown and Uh, in terms of knowledge and things like that. But take us back to that moment, and what was it like for the Southeastern Conference specifically to lose that men's basketball tournament, not be able to finish it, the NCAA tournament, and, of course, all of the spring sports?
1: Well, it was a big disappointment. Uh, We traveled to Nashville and had our staff there. Uh, The teams had arrived and were were prepared and planning to play. Of course, we were watching closely as uh, more information about uh, you know this new virus was coming to light um, and we were hopeful we had just competed our women's basketball tournament in Greenville South Carolina the week before it had a successful tournament and uh, we're you know we're, we're hoping and planning to uh, conduct our men's basketball tournament but uh, following uh, you know uh, guidelines and suggestions from the NCAA it became apparent as a league that we, we would need to postpone for the safety of the student athletes and the fans and uh, certainly though a very disappointing moment. I've been at the conference for 20 years and have seen a lot of things now um, in that 20 years, you know, going almost back to, I guess, 08, to the, the tornado that hit the George Dome when uh, we were playing the 2008 basketball tournament. But uh, even then, we were able to, to conduct the tournament. And a lot of the same logistics and preparations that we utilized in 2008 for running that tournament were coming back to light. If we were able to run this year's tournament in some reduced capacity, but again, ultimately we ended up uh, canceling the, the tournament in full, so we didn't we didn't have to go through that part of it. But um, it was very disappointing. And then, you know, just you feel for the student athletes who didn't get a chance to finish competition on the court. Um, certainly, some adjustments have been made available for the spring sports for others who might take that opportunity. But. Uh, you just you you feel you feel that for those student athletes who weren't able to compete and finish in a a normal fashion uh, because it means so much to them and they work so hard uh, that uh, again I think that the word disappointment is what what comes to comes to mind
0: right I talked with Alabama shortstop Colby Robinson and he was a senior had the opportunity to come back next year but he said I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up the cleats and and move on and uh, one thing that's just critical is understanding the importance of these aren't just student athletes they're they're individuals and they're college students and they have a story and I'm I'm so big on trying to tell you know stories especially here on this podcast and uh, it really it really breaks your heart that Uh, something like this hit and it impacted just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of athletes around the conference and then even thousands around the country but it is what it is you got to play the card you're dealt uh charlie i want to ask you a couple quick hitters here i like to have a little fun as we wrap up interviews here on the podcast so as a uh, as an oxford native i want to ask you a couple questions here uh the best and worst of your old miss sports memories growing up in oxford
1: um I was so fortunate, I've said this before, you know, to have um, the ability to to grow up in Oxford and watch, uh, you know, basketball and and football and baseball games. Um, You know, I remember uh, at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, the visiting team locker room used to be in the north end zone, and uh, it was actually up some stairs, and so I remember as a young boy standing there uh, on the fence watching, you know, these visiting teams come out of their locker room and Watching Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson and other great uh, SEC uh, uh, student athletes come out and compete on the field. And so just having a chance to be around it at an early age, I think, is what drew me to having a career in college athletics. And I've been fortunate to work at the SEC, um, a conference that I, that I dearly love. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of positive memories. You know, picking just one, um, you know, one in particular in basketball, there was a game Ole Miss and LSU had in basketball. Uh, probably would have been 1988-89, somewhere right in there. When Chris Jackson and Shaquille O'Neal were at LSU, they played in Oxford and had an overtime game against Ole Miss, and Ole Miss had an outstanding player named Gerald Glass. And if memory serves, Chris Jackson uh, served up about 59 or 60 points in that game, and Gerald Glass had 56. And just and the final score was like 110 to 112 or something like that. And just watching the back and forth, not many points scored in the game was uh, was something that uh, that definitely sticks in my memory.
0: That sounds like a Nate Oates dream come true, right there. You know, game running up and down, scoring in the hundreds. Um, and then, and then, last question here: What's your? Uh, this is from Glenn Brazil. Told me to ask this: What's your go-to order at Handy Andy's?
1: <laughs> you know, I like the hamburgers at Handy Andy. The barbecue, of course, is great. But uh, when I'm at Handy Andy, I always go always go for the hamburger and fries.
0: Gotcha, I'll have to hit that up uh, Hopefully if we can get to Oxford uh, This year, Alabama plays at Oxford Scheduled for my birthday weekend But obviously things are up in the air And we'll see, but I'll have to hit up Handy Andy's next time I'm, I'm in Oxford
1: Yeah, you should do it Handy Andy and uh, a lot of the great restaurants too But you should definitely uh Check things out if you can at uh, at
0: Handy Andy. Absolutely. Well, Charlie Hussey on the Galloway Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time amidst this really busy season and lots of crucial decisions to be made. But I really appreciate your input and uh, information to share here on the podcast. It's
1: my pleasure, William. Thank you for having me.
0: A great conversation there with Charlie Hussey. Really appreciate him taking the time to come on the podcast, kind of let us know what's going on. Obviously, there's a lot under wrap right now. He can't get into specific details, but I think a lot of the stuff he said was – informative and helpful as we anticipate a fall sports season so we're going to roll on here on the Galloway podcast as we move to our next segment around Alabama athletics there's a lot going on with a potential fall sports season in Tuscaloosa but we look at what's to come lots to talk about as Alabama is wondering who will be their week one opponent and will it be a conference team will it be a non-conference team there's a lot of talk about Alabama maybe facing BYU we're waiting uh to hear who Auburn will play week one as well. And a reminder that Alabama plays Georgia as its conference opener. So depending on what happens, Alabama's first game could be BYU, could be another non-conference school, it could even be Georgia. There's just a lot up in the air right now. But a uh, Alabama, Georgia start to the 2020 season would just be the most 2020 thing ever. I would not be surprised if that were the case. Alabama football is up to number two in certain recruiting websites. Alabama was ranked in the 50s in May, but has been climbing the ladder ever since. I always say don't worry about Alabama football recruiting because I know Saban's going to get the guys he needs when he needs them and what position he needs them. A lot of people were saying, oh, Alabama's lost their touch. They lost two games last year, and this spring, they're not even top 50 recruiting class. Well, guess what? It's the end of July, and Alabama's up to number two with only 15 commits. And that is the second lowest number of the top 10 teams in the 247 Sports Composite rankings. Only, I believe it's Clemson, has 13 commits, and they're number nine. And Alabama is at number two with 15 commits, number one Ohio State. When I last checked, was it 19 commits, and so Alabama is only climbing the ladder and things can get better for this upcoming 2021 class. Saban's doing his thing. Recruiting-wise, not to worry, folks. Bama is in control. Also, with Alabama football, there's a new locker room and science center, science performance center in the Malmore facility. If you have the time, check out Alabama football's social media pages. The new Sports Science Center and new locker rooms are state-of-the-art. They're as nice as can be. I promise you they could not be nicer, I mean, unless they were made of gold. In all honesty, it is the coolest-looking locker room and the most fascinating Sports Science Center. I look forward to learning more about it because there's just so much, and we've only seen sneak peek videos. These athletes at Alabama are getting the absolute best treatment and best facilities and best care possible. If you're a recruit, and you see these facilities at Alabama, and you see the success rate under Saban, I really don't know how you can say no. I, just, that, doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But that's neither here nor there. Elsewhere around Alabama athletics, August 3rd is the deadline for John Petty, Trendon Watford, and others to make a decision regarding staying in college or keeping their name in the NBA draft. Again, that decision date is August 3rd, so rapidly approaching Reminder that we'll keep a close eye on those situations and that Alabama does currently have a scholarship spot available and open for Petty should he decide to return for his senior season. A lot is up in the air with his decision and no one can really say. I think he is uncertain at the moment. There was a video of him doing a private camp workout up in Huntsville in a closed gym and he was playing pickup, just hitting three after three after three and they were moon balls. So John Petty keeping his sharp shooting touch at peak performance this offseason, and hopefully we'll see him, selfishly we want to see him back in Tuscaloosa, but we want what's best for him and his family as he makes his decision whether or not to stay in college. Elsewhere around Alabama athletics, and this isn't so much, doesn't have to do with athletics, more athletics the university in general but academically this semester at Alabama there will be no fall break there will be no in-person classes after November 20th and final exams for fall semester will be conducted online. Additionally students will be tested before going back to campus be tested for COVID-19. They've got I believe 14 stations set up all around the state and the government is providing and covering that cost for students faculty and staff so they're ensuring the top safety uh, for their students and of course we know they've been providing top safety for their student athletes since being back on campus since early june last point here from around alabama and this is again not tied to athletics but more tied to the culture and the city of tuscaloosa Uh, Fusacles is in tuscaloosa now a chicken place and all you mobile residents are all gung-ho on it but i'm going to say this you can get chicken fingers, fries, and bread, as well as orange dipping sauce at nearly any chicken place. Any chicken place. I'm so I'm so serious about this. So all you people that are going crazy over this, is coming to Tuscaloosa, you're blocking traffic on 15th Street, you, you need to take a step back. You need to calm down because I guarantee you it is like any other chicken place with chicken fingers, fries, bread, and orange dipping sauce. I mean, I'm gonna give it a try. All right, I'm I'm gonna give it a try, but I guarantee you it is no better than a Zaxby's, a Guthrie's, a Canes, and you're not gonna top the godfather of Chick-fil-A. So let's just let's end the podcast on that note. If you're all gung-ho on Fusaclys, just, just take a step back and, and calm down a little bit because I promise you it might be special to South Alabama, but you can get that type of chicken just about anywhere you look. As we wrap up today's Galloway podcast, episode 45, we want to run back through the show here. We looked at what's new and talking about MLB and NBA seasons are officially underway. We talked about high school football in the state of Alabama. A reminder to check out my video with Jake Jordan on YouTube. We talked about player safety. We talked about protocols that schools have to take within the state of Alabama. So check out that YouTube video. Of course, we talked with Charlie Hussey, Deputy Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference today. A great conversation there. And then, as always, we wrapped up with Around Alabama Athletics here on the Galloway Podcast. Want to remind you that merchandise is available for purchase $10 tumblers, $5 coffee mugs, $5 golf towels, and this is new $1 game day stickers. Whether or not we have a game day this year in Tuscaloosa, I have game day stickers for purchase. Red little two inch circle uh, stickers you're really going to want to have. Whether there's a game day or not, you can throw it on your water bottle. You can throw it on your laptop. Check those out, Galloway Podcast tickers. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway for more news, sports, and information. I want to thank you for listening. A reminder, the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.